This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese, where cheesemakers have been making award-winning cheese for generations. Go to wisconsincheese.com to order directly from Wisconsin Dairies to your home. This week on Meet and 3, we're revisiting Kitchen Joys to bring a bit of levity to life during lockdown. The major lesson is that I'm learning <laughs> to just enjoy anything that I can taste and to taste it slowly and to just enjoy it. Reach for those jars of jam, you know, maybe bourbon, that apricot jam, and maybe some lemon juice. Shake it vigorously and strain it uh, into a cocktail glass. It'll be delightful. It's like, no, what are you cooking? What do you like to cook? And naturally, that's going to be a little bit like a niche because you are not going to be an expert at everything. Your shtick could be that you are not an expert at everything but you want to learn. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Feast Meets West, the show celebrating Asian cuisine and culture as we have conversations with the passionate people from the world of Asian food. I'm your host, Linda Liu. In today's episode, I speak with Vanessa Pham and Kim Pham, the sisters and co-founders of Omsum, a brand of Asian pantry staples that have been designed to make cooking your favorite Asian dishes with uncompromised flavors and hard-to-find ingredients possible in any home kitchen. Omsom's ready-to-use starters are packed with the specialty sauces, aromatics, seasonings, citruses, and oils at the foundation of a variety of Asian dishes. Vanessa and Kim are first-generation Vietnamese Americans. They created Amsum to reclaim the cultural integrity of Asian cuisines too often diluted on grocery shelves in the ethnic aisles. As part of their unique process in developing each starter, they partnered with talented chefs in New York's Asian restaurant community to collaborate on each starter's ingredients and recipes. While launching a new brand and product is tough enough as it is, they did it in the midst of the coronavirus. We talk about how they brought the Amsum concept to life and how they adapted the launch to work for these unusual times. Now, one more thing before we get into it. In recent weeks, the issues around the continued injustice, systemic racism, and police brutality suffered by the Black community is at the forefront of our daily conversations in the media and on the streets. We are outraged at the countless number of Black lives lost and often wonder, how can we help? How can we turn anguish into meaningful action? While Amsum is less than a month old, Vanessa and Kim recognize their duty as non-Black people of color to support the Black community. They have pledged to donate 5% of all their profits in the month of June to the organization Colors of Change, which works to build real power for Black communities. This is a great example of how we can put our actions and money towards making an impact. 
whether it's joining in the protests, the vigils and marches, donating to Black-led organizations for Black justice, buying from Black-owned businesses, signing petitions, and calling on your mayors and senators to ban the violent tactics adopted by the police force. Do what you can to support the Black Lives Matter movement, and then think about how you can do some more. Now, here is my conversation with the FAM sisters. All right. Hi, ladies. Thanks for joining me on the show. (laughs) We're so excited to be here. (laughs) So glad to have you guys. Um, Major, congrats on launching your new brand. Thank Thank you. Um, Could you introduce yourselves first for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So... I am Vanessa. I'm one of the co-founders of Omsum, and um, just a little bit about what I do for the company. So um, I head up all things product, um, R&D, supply chain operations, and kind of like financial. So a little bit kind of across the board, a couple different different things. Um, And I started the company with Kim, who's my sister. Hey everyone, uh, I'm Kim. I'm Vanessa's co-founder and sister. Um, I'm a longtime human of the internet. Um, prior to starting Omsom, uh, I spent kind of my past life in, in startups and venture capital. And now at Omsom, I kind of handle all things brand, uh, creative, uh, and marketing. What an amazing balance and sisters <laughs> as well. And it just so happens your last name is Fam, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> so it's a family joint. Okay, this literally is really incredible. A family <laughs> joint. <laughs> yes. Um, so how does it feel? And um, how long has it been since you've been working on this brand and concept? Yeah, it feels amazing to to be in finally showing the world what we've been working on. Um, definitely, you know, not without challenges along the way. But um, you know, we launched a, like about two weeks now, and it's been just wonderful seeing kind of how how our customers have been responding to it, how people have been DMing us and emailing us and and sharing on social kind of what what we're doing and what it means to them with their communities so that's been incredible but yeah it's been like a year and a half in the making yeah and what's the origin story here kim you want to want to talk a little bit about the origin (laughs) yeah absolutely um so i guess you know you could say the company started in the early 90s (laughs) when vanessa and i were born Um, but yeah, I guess like, you know, I think we both have had really kind of our own separate lives and separate careers, but we kind of came together about, yeah, a year and a half, two years ago around uh, a central mission that we deeply care about as first generation Vietnamese Americans. Um, and I think that what that stemmed from us really kind of walking down this quote unquote ethnic aisle, right. In mainstream grocery stores, I think we were just like, whoa, (laughs) Like one, why does it still exist? But two, why do the products in this aisle not feel representative of the communities that they purport to represent? Um, and and we're seeing that folks, you know, who are both you know Asian and non-Asian alike, aren't aren't particularly happy with those products. And we're like, okay, that that kind of sucks. Like, what if we kind of reimagined this from scratch and and tried to do it the right way? Um, and it was born from that central theme, right? Of how can we, in many ways, like 
reclaim and celebrate these cuisines in ways that they haven't been done before in American homes. You know, like I think folks around the nation are being educated by restaurants, you know, they're seeing media around Asian cuisines and Asian um, culture and communities, but there's a bit of a disconnect in terms of how, actually cooking it and bringing it into your own home. Um, and so, yeah, Omsam was kind of born from that. Yeah, the um, ethnic aisle in the typical <laughs> U.S. grocery is definitely abysmal. I mean, personally, I I feel like there's just a lot of like stereotypical fonts on the packaging yes. and, oh, yeah. um, you know, products Pandas created bamboo. Yeah, by just general like producers, um, which aren't, you know, representative of different cultures. Um, but I do wonder, have there um, been anything, has there been anything or any brands in the market you've seen that's kind of comparable to what you guys do or that you did like some qualities of as you came up with um, your starters? Yeah, I mean, there's for sure tons of brands that, um, you know, that we we do admire, of course, that um, are working on this. One of our, our favorites is Brooklyn Deli, um, which uh, is run by our friend Chitra, and we are huge fans of her achars. Um, and I and I, there, I think there are like several others that we would also, you know, we use in our own homes and we definitely admire. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, we, we're definitely doing something very different um, than anything that we've seen kind of in mainstream grocery stores. Um, I think, you know, for one, our format is, is really unique. So um, we're an Asian pantry staple brand, but we focus on, on right now creating this product called a starter. And it allows you to make a specific Asian dish with normally hard to find ingredients that might take a couple hours to put together. Um, but now you can make it, you know, in any home kitchen in like 30 minutes. Um, and so a starter has all the like sauces, aromatics and seasonings that you need for a specific Asian dish. Um, and um, this format is unique because it, it allows consumers to kind of make Asian dishes at home with ingredients that they can get more easily accessible at their, you know, maybe their local mainstream grocery store, like the, the veggie and the protein. So I think it, it kind of fits into con- like users existing lives. Um, it makes it really easy for them. And so in that sense, we're not, you know, we're not a condiment, we're not a sauce, we're not a spice, we're kind of this end to end flavor solution for a specific dish. Um, and then the other thing that um, Kim and I thought was really important when we were in the earliest stages of our journey um, was celebrating the multitudes of what it looks like to be Asian and what it tastes like to eat Asian food. Um, and we think a lot of the products that exist in mainstream grocery stores today kind of simplify that or um, dilute it, dilute the flavors or kind of dumb it down by making like one product that represents a whole country, um, like a, you know, a Thai flavored sauce of some sort. And, and for us, we we don't think that consumers need that anymore. They don't need to be babied in that sense. Like uh, restaurant at restaurants, they're ordering these dishes and they're enjoying them. Um, and at home, why can't they create something that is um, that shows and reflects that nuance? So to that end, our products, like I said, represent specific dishes. But beyond that, we work with tastemakers um, or our chef partners. What we we call them tastemakers. And for every cuisine that we have represented in our product line, we work with an acclaimed chef of that background. So somebody who's really driving forward the conversation around that cuisine, who's bringing it to larger audiences. Um, and we work with them to make sure that our flavors are, are tight, um, our ingredients um, are the way they should be. Um, and they kind of help us develop the product from start to finish. 
Yeah, that's totally fantastic. And for um, our listeners that are not familiar with the tastemakers you've chosen, um, could you tell us a little bit more about them and how you ended up choosing um, these chef partners? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, this is Kim speaking. I realized I forgot to do that earlier. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the reason why we chose them is kind of built into the name. We call them tastemakers for a reason, right? So, yes, of course, they're slinging delicious dishes um, from their restaurants and, you know, super, super tasty. But I think that the second component of that um, and that Vanessa touched upon earlier is that, like, these folks are really kind of pushing forward and in many ways redefining what it means to eat and be of those backgrounds, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, for our Filipino starter, we work with the incredible Nicole Ponseca of Jeepney. Um, and, you know, she, I think, has been a big part of the movement, particularly here in New York, around kind of amplifying a cuisine and, frankly, a country that is uniquely its own um, on the continent of Asia. And she has this incredible um, cookbook called I'm a Filipino. Like, she's really, you know, doing it for the culture. Um, our Vietnamese tastemaker is Jimmy Lee of Madame Vo. Um, he's like a brother to us. Um, and again, with his restaurants, like he was one of the first on the East Coast to really kind of bring to the mainstream Vietnamese barbecue culture. For so long, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of folks have thought Vietnamese food to be, you know, pho and bun mi, and it is. Those things are delicious. Yeah, especially in New York City. <laughs> yes, especially in New York City. Like he was one of the first to be like, hey, you know what? Like people haven't heard of this. And I really kind of want to, you know, showcase something that's often overlooked um, in our in our in our food and in our cuisine. And then for our Thai tastemakers, we work with um, Chot and Om Swansilfong, uh, the brothers behind Fish Cheeks. You know, we love a good sibling story, and um, we we adore them um, because you know Thai food has a really interesting history here in the U.S. Um, but kind of historically, a lot of Thai food, quote unquote, that. Um, Americans have perhaps gotten used to eating is very sweet to kind of placate this uh, American palate. And they were super clear from day one that they were not going down that route. They refused to compromise on their flavors. Like they do not pull their punches. They do not pull their peppers. Um, and and we're just really excited to be working with folks like Nicole, like Chatnom and Jimmy um, to showcase kind of what real deal Asian dishes mm-hmm. at your in your home can taste like but also perhaps like give them another um, platform to tell their really unique stories that I that I want more of the world not just New York um, to hear about yeah that's sounds like the dream collaboration <laughs> <laughs> we hope um, and you mentioned uh, yeah like not compromising in culture or flavors I mean that is um, something that's quite unique to Uh, your company's values then, right? Absolutely. Very core. Yeah. Um, And go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I I think it's it's reflective of who we are as individuals. You know, we're first generation Vietnamese Americans, daughters of refugees. And I think, you know, this is just as much an issue of representation as well as like what the, you know, what the market wants. Like I think folks all around are asking for you know, uncompromised, undiluted, unapologetic in every way. And so it's, it's kind of core to our DNA. Yeah. And um, how are you sourcing your ingredients for the starters? 
Yeah, I can definitely speak to that. So this is Vanessa. Um, I kind of handle the sourcing for Omsum and wow, it has been <laughs> such a journey <laughs> trying to track down the right ingredients for our products. I think from the get-go, Kim and I knew they were it was going to be a challenge, but we learned a couple things really quickly as soon as we started the process. So um, the first was, you know, working with our chef partners. Um, it was really an interesting challenge kind of um, being the, the, the kind of intermediary between what they do on a kitchen scale to like what we would be doing when we're producing, um, you know, larger volumes. And so sourcing the ingredients that we needed at that volume, that's really where the challenge was. So as Kim said, like delivering uncom uncompromised flavors was absolutely critical for what we wanted to do. And so to do that, that goes, that feeds down all the way to our ingredients. So um, on one hand, we were committed to using no preservatives, nor official flavors, no high fructose corn syrup. Um, and then on the other hand, we absolutely wanted to make sure that the ingredients um, from a flavor perspective and from an origin perspective um, hit the nail on the head. So right now we are importing ingredients from Thailand, Vietnam, and the Philippines that aren't being imported at the scale um, in the U.S. currently by other brands. It, it was really interesting as I was going through the sourcing process and we would sample, you know, upwards of 10, 15 ingredients um, for or ever, of 10, 15 samples for every ingredient. And it was very clear quickly why a lot of the products that exist today taste the way they taste. And it's because it's way cheaper and way easier to get products that don't kind of capture this right intensity of flavor, don't don't come from the right place um, or kind of give the right smokiness or citrus uh, to the final product. And so we had to make a lot of hard decisions along the way where we were constantly just like, okay, we, well, we know what we're prioritizing. What is our North Star? And that's delivering the right flavor. Um, and the chefs were definitely um, integral to that process. The take, tastemakers kind of weighed in. We would bring samples to them. They would try different ones and um, kind of help us through that process. And um, yeah, it was definitely one of the most challenging parts about building the business. But I think at the end of the day, it's also what allows those flavors to be so loud in your in your starter yeah that's so great um do you have a, a fond memory or anecdote of one of those um hard to source ingredients that you could share with us oh yeah i have many um, <laughs> you're like too I have many. many yeah so i would i mean there's a couple but i would say the lemongrass was the hardest one um because so we have a starter called um, the Vietnamese lemongrass barbecue, which is uh, essentially pit nung or um, like a vermicelli bowl, uh, which a lot of people probably that's how they'd recognize it. And um, what's so core to this, this starter is the lemongrass. It has to be really aromatic. It has to be bright. It can't be um, kind of um, compromised by including certain parts of the lemongrass that would make it kind of reedy and, and muddled in flavor. And so when we were sourcing this ingredient, we kind of cast a wide net and we were trying different lemon lemongrass um, options from kind of like Western suppliers. 
And we were getting these um, samples and they were all really like dark green and reedy because they were kind of using like the whole lemongrass, like the parts that my mom would never even look at. She would just, you know, like put aside instantly. They were they were including in um, kind of the samples that they were sending us. So instantly we were like, oh, this is not nearly as aromatic or flavorful as it should be. Texturally, it's not very pleasant and it's not a good fit for us. Um, but I think that a lot of other, you know, uh, other folks that might be developing this product might not really either prioritize it that much or might not like really understand that like that that's a part of the lemongrass that you shouldn't use and the color the green color of it is indicative of a of a kind of a low quality product so at that point we started going the OG route which is like where what brands does like our mom use and like how can we get in touch with these folks and so we ended up talking to upwards of 10 um, kind of like Vietnamese mom and pop distributors that work directly with um, the farms in Vietnam to source the lemongrass. And so a lot of these mom and pop distributors don't speak English. Um, my parents uh, went to California for Lunar New Year's and I had them go meet with a bunch of them. So it really became a family, <laughs> family run <laughs> operation family at thing. that point because <laughs> they were already out there. And I was like, OK, can you meet with them? They won't pick up my phone calls anymore. Like we need to get this lemongrass. Um, <laughs> and yes, exactly. Like, you know, take them out for a bowl of pho and like get them to sell us lemongrass because they... They like they weren't used to working with um, kind of brands like ours, so we definitely had to lean in a lot here, get our family involved. But ultimately, mm -hmm. we got the right lemongrass sourced from Vietnam, and we're super wow. kind of excited. And I think that's that's something that I don't think any other food products in the U.S. can say. Yeah, and especially having that this background and this unique origin story, I'm sure that. Um, just really help the, those partnerships form as well. Yeah, absolutely. So what are your favorite variations of the dishes um, that can be made using the Amsam starters right now? Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, that's, that's like asking, like, is there a favorite child? Um, <laughs> I guess, like, I, I, I can go first. Uh, I'm firmly, like, a pork belly woman. Like, I intend to get pork belly tattooed on me at some point. Um, nice. So I really, really love the the sig made with pork belly. Mm -hmm. um, I think pit noong, like the Vietnamese lemongrass barbecue. I do a mix of pork belly and pork shoulder. Like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pork I'm a pork lady, um, so I. But I, I also, you know, we do a lot of our recipe testing um, here in my apartment, <laughs> um, mm, and lucky. I've actually started. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh yeah, R and D. That's that's what this is, um, and I've actually really enjoyed um, creating variations on our dishes. So, for example, like uh, our tofu seasig is insane. I never thought in a million years I'd say that, but like a salt brine with a block of firm tofu makes it really crispy and gorgeous and you kind of get some of that textural play that I think um, traditional seasick has that's really lovely um, and then uh, mushroom larb is also another one of my favorites um, I have grown to really appreciate fungi through the, the through the process of starting Amsam that's so great yeah and um, a lot of vegetarian options yes what about you Vanessa Absolutely. Um, yeah. So let's see. Hmm. Well, that was definitely one of 
one of the things that we wanted to be able to do is kind of just like accommodate different dietary preferences and restrictions. So that's why uh, when we were developing these, we did a lot of different testing. So through that process, I definitely discovered a couple new ways that I really like preparing them. One of the ones that we discovered through this process for me was like a, a squid sea sig. So this is one that is typical at all. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's many different versions of kind of how mm-hmm. sea is prepared in, and squid is definitely one of them. Um, but I think like everyone kind of has their own take on it. There's no real like one way to do it. And, and our version that we re- really like is um, lightly breading it and like just frying it lightly. So not, not a lot of oil in the pan, but just enough to get it a little bit of crunch and a little bit of breading to really absorb the sea starter. Um, and so you get a little... Yeah, exactly. A little bit of richness from um, the breading and then the tart kind of um, cane vinegar and also the kind of like aromatic floral, but still tart calamansi. I just think it makes like a match made in heaven. Um, But then on a weeknight, throwing the lemongrass starter on some shrimp, marinating it for like 10 minutes and then um, frying it up in a pan is like so easy. You can throw that on a salad. That's kind of one of my weeknight go-tos. Yeah, I feel like you've definitely created this product with um, a couple typical like consumers in mind, definitely for the busy New Yorker. (laughs) Um, But did you guys also like craft out um, like consumer profiles as you guys were developing all of these recipes and um, the format as well? Yeah, I think um, I I know Vanessa has some thoughts here, but I can I can get started on it. we are ultimately born kind of from a frustration as Asian Americans out of not being able to access some of like our favorite kind of childhood favorites. So when I think about our business, like we are first and foremost, I believe, like for Asian Americans who, you know, love these flavors, grew up with these flavors, but maybe, you know, moved away from home or just don't have the same access um, to these either ingredients or to these dishes like they did, you know, when they were living at home. And for them, um, and for me, actually, like these dishes are a way for me to kind of like re-engage with my identity as a first-generation American. Um, and so I think like in terms of, you know, customer profile, like we're, we are definitely solely, not solely, sorry, we're definitely focused on making sure that we do right by those communities first. Um, so that I know like on my end is, is super important for us, but obviously like long-term with the business, like we're seeing across the board that non-Asians, um, are getting really excited about Asian cuisine and Asian culture. Like, you know, look at crazy rich Asians, look at what, you know, the empire that David Chang's building, um, look at street food on Netflix. Like it's, it's become very clear that this isn't just for us, um, but that can also be really enjoyed and valued, um, by non-Asian populations. Vanessa, any thoughts? No, I I think you captured it completely. I think something that, you know, we we really believe as a brand is that we believe that Asian a food product that's made for the Asian palate will resonate with a broader audience. And I think historically if you look at kind of the way that products in this category existed and, and how they were developed I think a lot of them felt like they had to choose. They had to choose if they were for Asians or if they were not for Asians. Um, And maybe that was the case like 10 years ago, five years ago. But I think our stance today is that actually um, 
folks that aren't Asian are looking now to their Asian um, friends to see like, hey, is this product legit? Is this is this really good? Um, they do that for restaurants and now they're doing that for food products. And so, yeah, we definitely are, um, are really excited about being able to kind of like take a strong stance on that. And at the end of the day, it's really like amazing to to focus on a segment that first of all, we identify with, which is awesome, but we also feel is like completely underserved, um, Asian Americans. So yeah, we're really excited about that. Yeah. What an exciting time, uh, to be able to tell your story authentically, um, and also have your product be embraced and shared by, um, people who don't look like you. Um, this is really great. Thank you, Linda. Thank you. (laughs) We are going to take a short break and we will be right back with more Feast Meets West. Despite challenging circumstances, dairy farmers are working hard to make sure communities across the country have fresh, nutritious food to keep us healthy during these uncertain times. It's more important than ever to eat, enjoy, and support real dairy. Want to help? Go to wisconsincheese.com where you can order award-winning Wisconsin cheese directly from cheesemakers to keep our family dairy farms in business for generations to come. So, um, Vanessa, Kim, tell me about what's next. What are the starters you'll be launching next? Yes, so we we just launched two weeks ago, but we do have some more stuff in the works right now. Um, so I think in the immediate term, we're just really excited to kind of um, continue to share our Southeast Asian starters with more more folks. Um, and because we just kind of got into the market, there's definitely like a lot of different um, audiences and different people that we we're really excited to kind of tell that story to. But beyond that, we are also working on an East Asian line um, that we're hoping to bring to the market later in the fall. Um, And so we're working on a Japanese starter, a Korean one, and also a Chinese one, specifically a Szechuan one. That's so exciting. So how many Asian cuisines do you aim to launch starters with? Right now, we're kind of just focusing on the three that we have out and the three that we're building now. I mean, down the road, depending on, you know, what we learn from our customers, we could continue to develop those. I know we have a lot of folks um, emailing us asking for some Indian starters, South Asian yeah, starters. And so specific things or regional dishes. There's yeah. A lot of options. Yes. Oh, yeah. It could we, we have like kind of inbound requests for a lot of different um, cuisines. But I think right now we're probably just kind of focused. We kind of have a lot on our plates as a small brand that just kind of launched. So we'll probably focus on on those six and we'll see where it takes us. Yes. Um, And you said you have a small team. So is it four of you guys? Yes. Um, So it's Kim and myself, co-founders and sisters. We have Emily who works with us. Uh, She's our marketing director. She's incredible. Um, She previously worked at the Marcus Samuelson Group um, and she's been kind of 
with us for um, a while now, just like kind of all the way up to launch. And, and now as we as we're headed into the future and then we actually recently brought on a design intern. Her name is Mimi and she is the one that's responsible for all the kind of beautiful social posts that um, Kim has been working with her on to put up. Yeah, that's so great. Um, definitely tell us about the branding um, from just like looking at it. Um, it definitely speaks to um, the Gen Zs, the millennials. It's edgy, bright, fun. How did you guys decide to go this direction rather than say like, oh, a more like natural or muted aesthetic? Yeah. First off, thank you so much um, for for your kind words. We have both worked very, very hard on the brand. (laughs) I can tell. tell. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I think like, you know, if you look at it, it's it's definitely not for everyone. Um, But I think that was a very intentional choice, you know, and, and I think if, if I could kind of like, it, it all stems back to our name, Omsom, right? So Omsom is not a word. Um, it originates in the Vietnamese term Omsom, which means like rowdy and rambunctious. So basically like, you know, when Vanessa and I were younger and we were like screaming in the back of the car or something, my parents would be like, oh my God, you know, they turn around, they chastise us and be like, oh my God, don't be so Omsom. Um, and we really just love this idea of like, shaking up like Asian American communities, cuisines, cultures, like we're here to stay and we're here to no longer be this like passive kind of model minority submissive, you know, sort of trope, right? Like we're here to make some noise. We're kind of maybe going to make you a little bit uncomfortable. We're here to be proud and loud. Um, And so once we had that name and like that ethos, it kind of flowed through everything. And so, you know, you see that with our branding choices where the color palette is pretty bold. Um, You know, the name is very bold. Um, Even just like the website uh, user experience is meant to be kind of like, you know, there's scrolling things, there's moving things. Um, We have a ticker tape. It's, It's meant to kind of reflect and in some ways kind of put a middle finger to like, you know, you thought you knew what it's like to be an Asian American or to eat like an Asian American, whatever that is. And we're kind of here to like askew some of that and 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 show you something different that's unapologetic and, and a little bit in your face. And so it's been a lot of fun building this brand. It is occasionally polarizing, um, <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're drawing a line in the sand about who we are and, yeah. and what we're here to give you. So hopefully it resonates with folks. <laughs> Um, I love that intention and I love how you explained it. It's really layered and you've made something that, um, you know, was maybe something your mom said to quiet (laughs) you guys, but made it endearing, (laughs) endearing and fun. So really looking forward to seeing how you guys develop on that concept. Um, So like you said, there has been a lot of um, great feedback from customers. They're already engaging with you. So that's awesome. Um, But what's the the general reaction and feedback so far on the product itself and um, the sales? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we've been just super appreciative for folks to even, you know, like pay attention to what we're doing. You know, Kim and I, so many nights were really nervous, like, okay, we're putting something out into the world. Like, how are people going to respond? Are people going to care? Um, and so like, even just to have people talk about it, to be, to, to have people's attention, um, has meant everything to us. And we really want to, you know, we want to do right by, the communities that are represented by our food products um, in, in any way that we can. And so um, to that end, the the things that we've been hearing um, have, have 
been in line with that so far and we're, we're really thankful. So on the press side of things, we've been um, featured in a couple different press outlets that we really admire. And one of the quotes that Kim and I were just really excited about was um, in Epicurious, they said that um, they wanted to eat, drink, and bathe in our tart Filipino seasick starter, something something along those lines. And yeah, you know, you that probably was... have it memorized already. <laughs> <laughs> and that like that meant so much. And I think what a lot of the like the common thread that we're hearing is that people are really like almost like taken aback by how like loud and um kind of flavorful the starters are. Um they're not really used to that. Like it, they're not really meant to be yeah, and alone. kind of they're... like a small petite packet as well. <laughs> yes, a lot packed into that that little packet for sure. Um so yeah, that I mean that's been really amazing and then consumers have been responding in ways that are are, are talking about the flavors but also a lot more than that. So um, some of the things that we've really enjoyed hearing are folks kind of reaching out and being like, I love what you're doing. And like when I read about like what you're doing and why you're doing it, I feel really seen and I feel heard. Um, and that's been, yeah, we've just been honored to to hear that. Um, and so, yeah, in many ways, the product, like I think from a flavor perspective, people see how different how like in some ways revolutionary the flavors are um and then as far as like the the mission i think it's it's resonating with folks and it's something they've been wanting to see um and then sales um you asked about yeah it was crazy we clearly did not expect this we sold out in three days 72 hours which was wow yes (laughs) we were uh, we were so taken aback by it, um, and I've been scrambling on the supply chain side to try to get things right. um, back in stock. So I've yeah. like been not sleeping as much as I normally would like to, <laughs> but the product is coming soon back, um, specifically the Sampler Trio, which is kind of the the option where you can kind of try it all. It's a little bit more experiential. Mm-hmm. That's the right. piece that we're really working to to get back in stock for folks. Yeah, and... Um... You guys mentioned that uh, the brand launch, was it just two weeks ago? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Wow. (laughs) How (laughs) has um, Corona impacted that? Or, I mean, clearly with like these sales results, um, you know, it almost sounds like, you know, it didn't. But do you feel like, um, you know, you would have launched differently? Were we not in a pandemic right now? Oh, yeah, yes. 100%. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, as, as you know, we're all experiencing and living Corona has impacted, you know, us on, on every front in our own personal lives and in our professional lives. And I think specifically with Omsom, um, as we were headed towards launch and, and COVID was kind of um, kind of ramping up as well, we definitely saw um, kind of faced a lot of different obstacles. I think on the supply chain side, we saw a lot of delays uh, on on things as we were importing them, um, packaging arriving late. And so us just having to be flexible on that front. Um, and then also as far as production, luckily we had already done a number of trial kind of like manufacturing production runs that I had been present on the floor with, with our food scientists. Um, but um, when it came to kind of one of our earlier for, like production runs, it was it was actually kind of in the midst of the pandemic, and so 
um, we had to do it virtually. <laughs> and that is something that is really, I think, scary for a first-time founder, a food founder to, to have to do. And so we had to get really creative around, you know, how do we kind of oversee this process and ensure quality? So, you know, we FaceTimed into a lot of the production run, which like we had to really work with our manufacturing partners to get them to do something that they don't normally do. So we FaceTimed into it. We had them do like side-by-side taste comparisons. And then of course we had them overnight the product to us um, to test extensively before we even released any of it. And then we also kind of had, of course, um, it overnighted to different labs for food safety and all that, which is kind of standard. But, um, you know, a lot of virtual um, stuff had to go on on that front. And that that was new and, and definitely an exercise in being resourceful. Um, and I know Kim had to do a lot more on the on being resourceful on the marketing side, which she can speak to. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it just means, you know, we've had to take a little bit more of like a scrappier, D, you know, DIY approach. Um, so kind of, for example, you know, bef- right before kind of like COVID hit New York, um, you know, we had all these like really um, wonderful photo and video shoots scheduled, you know, with like really incredible talent because um, it's it's not my uh, not my background or skill set. But obviously, once it hit, it became very clear to us that like, oh, we like we can't, you know, shelter in place is happening. We can't be congregating and filming these things. So um I had to do all of our video shooting by myself in my apartment. Um, I was both, you know, <laughs> video director, creative director, talent and prep. Yeah. True um, startup life. <laughs> yes. No, literally. I was like, oh my, how am I doing this? Um, but it was, it was, you know what, like the visuals came out a little bit grittier and it's not perhaps like the full kind of production value that maybe we would have wanted, but actually in kind of a, in a funny way, they're more reflective of the current times. I think like, I think a lot of folks are getting fatigued by like, everything is still perfect and shiny and like, don't worry, your life is still fine. You know, it's not exactly. Um, and so I kind of, you know, it was in some weird way, like a blessing in disguise. You know, I got to learn a new skill, which was a lot of fun. I now have all this like, random equipment in my apartment. So I'm like, <laughs> if anyone needs a video shoot, I'm your girl. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was, you know, we've just had to take that sort of scrappiness with across across the board. Of course. And um, what's it like also um, transitioning to like working from home? Like, are you guys working from the same space together or do you just also FaceTime on the daily? How do you get things done? Oh man, we live on Slack. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's, it's been interesting. Like, so Vanessa and I are both um, here in New York, but she's in Soho and I'm in Brooklyn. Um, and our marketing director is actually back at her parents' house in Jersey. So it's, there's been a lot of challenges just around like, you know, we run a company that's producing a physical product. And so there are just some things that like are really difficult. So for example, this week, we were trying to basically rejigger um, a packaging design but like Vanessa oh had to like try and hold <laughs> this thing and communicate to our design intern who's currently in Pennsylvania. And, you know, it's really difficult. You totally take for granted that when you hold something physically in your hand, it becomes 10x easier to understand. So like we lose a lot of time, you know, trying to do those sorts of things of like, oh, like where's, you know, yeah, it's been a fun, uh, it's been yeah, a fun exercise. Yes. In communication and <laughs> learning new ways to communicate. Yes. And a little bit of patience and exercise and patience. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> 
Well, it sounds like um, if you can get through this difficult time, you know, imagine once um, we're all back in the offices and things are reopened, how much easier that's going to be, especially with your physical product. Yeah, Yeah. I think I think more than anything, we're just we're really excited to get together as a team. Um, And, you know, it's been interesting, like launching and and celebrating remotely um, or like having late nights apart when we were kind of like, you know, running towards launch. Um, We're all, you know, we would be working late some nights and it would just be like, oh, she's still working. There's the green there's the green circle on Slack. (laughs) Not quite the same as us, you know, all hunkered down at the office like or ordering Thai food for delivery and um, playing music and like putting together influencer boxes all together right like that would be amazing and 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 so um, I'm actually most looking forward to being able to get together to to share those moments again yeah for sure it's gonna happen um, sooner than we uh, know it I'm sure uh, yeah. but in Fingers the meantime, crossed. it sounds like you guys have definitely found unique creative ways to get things done. Um, and of course you both have so much going on with, um, Omsom right now, but during quarantine and in our unique times of, uh, isolation <laughs> or sheltering in place, have you picked up, um, anything new? So, Outside of Kim, your newfound talent in <laughs> photography, any other uh, quarantine hobbies or things Ooh. that are keeping you sane? Oh, great question. Yeah. For me, it's been, you know, I think all day we do a lot of work with our brains. So it's been really nice to stop and do something more with my hands. And so beyond cooking and baking, which I love and, and have loved for a while, I've actually been taking up watercolor. Um, and, and I've really loved it. It's one of the reasons I love watercolor is because, I mean, it's, it's something that really requires you to give up the, this idea that you can kind of control everything. Like watercolor really takes on a life of its own once it hits the page, because it's all about the interaction between how much water you have in there and then the, how much dye you have in there and then how it like is absorbed into the paper over time. And it can go a different, many different ways. It, like you could do the same exact motion three times and it'll look different every time. And so, you know, I'm somebody who in general, like, you know, has a very clear idea of how things should be done or what I expect. And I I think being a founder, like a a founder for an early stage company is absolutely something that's tested that and has shown me that maybe that, you know, I should figure out other ways to operate. But I think watercolor is one of the the fun ways for me to get more comfortable with that and, and, and see kind of the the joy and the the like, yeah, the joy that you can get out of not knowing what to expect and having it surprise you kind of going with the flow and you yes. can't really erase what you've painted. Yes, exactly. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing, <laughs> Vanessa. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe I haven't shared that with you. <laughs> um, no, not in the full extent of it. And now I'm like, oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> Kim got me Kim got me a lot of art supplies for my birthday, so uh, I'm really excited to <laughs> yeah, play with putting those them soon. Yeah, <laughs> yes. so great. What about you, Kim? What have you been up to? Um, hmm, nothing nearly as beautiful and as poetic as Vanessa's <laughs> hobbies. Um, no, so actually Vanessa had recommended that I do um, The Artist's Way. So I've actually been doing that with a good musician friend of mine. And it's basically all around kind of feeding, fostering, and unblocking your kind of creative side. 
Um, and, you know, I've, I've stepped into a largely creative role with Omsom and it's been a ton of fun. And obviously, you know, I deeply care about our product and our mission and our audience, but it's actually been a lot of fun for me to write um, creatively about things that aren't Omsom related at all. Um, so that's just been a lot of fun to spend, you know, what little free time that I do have um, pen to paper writing about kind of something that doesn't have to do with food or with business, but just like, you know, my own kind of personal hobbies and interests, um, and just kind of seeing where my pen takes me. So that's, I think I've been really enjoying that. Yeah, that sounds so productive. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Not yeah, both of you guys are doing, yeah, amazing things at home with your brand, but also just, um, finding other creative outlets. That's so great. Um, I guess last question, what are the first things you're going to do when the city fully reopens? Oh my gosh. Who? I'm I for one I'm going to go dancing. <laughs> I <laughs> yes. really really miss like loud music, like bass yeah, thumping. Like I, like yeah. I, 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 on one hand I have like like I'm just freaking out just thinking about sweaty people stuffed into a small space but on the other hand I'm like wow like I can't wait to feel the energy again right um I can't wait to see people like kind of accessing all different kinds of like joy and excitement and spontaneity through music and dance so I am very excited for that yeah that's why we live in the city exactly yes exactly it makes it all worth it um my answer is far less noble I'm going to get perilously drunk at a neighborhood <laughs> bar, um, at one of my favorite neighborhood bars, bars and I'm going to hug all the yes. bartenders. Um, Grand Army in Borum Hill is like one of my favorite places oh, yeah. on this earth. Um, mm-hmm. And I just want to go in there, get a Boulevardier, hug a bartender, hug a friend, and just, yeah, get really Celebrate. drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've worked so hard. You deserve it. Yeah. I, I like to think so. And I think it's more just like the human connection of being in a bar. You know what I mean? Like, I probably don't even really need to drink. I probably just want to get drunk on, like, an energy. And I think just yeah, having, human you know. connection, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Vanessa and Kim, for chatting with me. Um, I thoroughly love what you guys are doing. So thrilled to have just more Asian flavor options in my pantry. Um, and I'm just so excited to follow along the growth of your brand. awesome thank Thank you you so so much much for having us and that's it for our show thank you dear listeners for tuning in as always we appreciate your support and today we ask you to stand in solidarity with our black community by taking action whether it's protesting in the streets for justice donating to victim funds or organizations that bail out protesters or writing and calling your lawmakers to abolish police brutality. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another conversation from the world of Asian food. Feast Meets West is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to find out more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. 
Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can also find us at Facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.